I hope you got your swim trunks on. We're about to dive into some survey results. This is the Veteran Wargamer. This is the Veteran Wargamer. I am your host, Jay Arnold. In this episode, number 62, I'm speaking with the man, the myth, the legend, the unpronounceable Jasper Ortash. Jasper, how are you? Oh, hey. Uh, I'm great. good. I'm good, and that was pretty good. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Um, it is, we are in the throes of the COVID 19 plague academic. Yeah, not academic, pandemic, whatever term you like to use. How how are things going in your house? Uh, in my house, it's fine. It's warm now. Um, we've been, uh, we're actually, the lockdown is not so bad here right now. Um, it's actually not affected as, as a company as much either because there's only uh, two of us here in Zutphen. Uh, there's one other person who lives about 50 kilometers away. She works from home. And, you know, a guy is in Turkey, the, another editor is in London, and one is in Canada. So, you know, we, we work remotely anyway. Mm-hmm. So uh, all we did was, instead of having a, you know, sort of meetings on, on Slack and, uh, and other tools, we, had, we used to have a monthly Skype meeting, sort of at a time when most everybody could be there. I mean, it's always hard because uh, Murray Dom, who helps me with ancient warfare he's in sydney mm-hmm. uh and th- that makes it re- really hard to get any kind of um time coordinated where everybody can be online but you know, we have a weekly meeting to sort of you know keep everybody's spirits up because um i know it's been harder for some than for others who, mm-hmm. even if you work from home a lot of them enjoy you know just maybe you know, go work in a, in a, in a coffee shop or at a library, get out of the house a bit. And that was not possible for, for, uh, for, well, many, many people all over the world for a long time. So Mm -hmm. has there been any effect on either your subscriptions or individual copies, either electronically or or hard copy or, Uh, well, yeah, as as you, as you, I'm sure, you know, uh, in the U S Barnes and Noble was was just down for uh, about two months mm-hmm. and in the uk um shops were closed for six weeks or so so i mean we get you know li- like many other publishers we had a lot of uh magazines in circulation and uh, that suddenly was like well they're still in circulation but there's just going to be nobody to get them right um so um we never we never stopped publishing uh, magazines because we um, thought it was more important to uh, um, uh, to you know to make sure that our our readership and our subscribers still got got their magazines at the mm-hmm. usual schedule. Um, but we did skip uh, sending them to stores for for a couple times, which you know that's going to mean down down the road because it takes a while for them to pay out. That's gonna you know we're going to take a hit there, but mm-hmm. we've been. Um, We've been very lucky and very gratified to see that we've had a huge pickup in subscribers. Great. Uh, uh, all, all across the board. Uh, digital certainly, yeah, digital certainly had a pickup because a lot of people were at home. And, of course, digital has great advantages like 
instant gratification. Sure. Uh, which is always, uh, well, everybody does it. I do too. I've, I've been buying more books and buying more digital books. And uh, I, I still like real books, but, you know, sometimes you just want to look something up and then digital is really easy. Right. So, you know, it's uh, it's had its challenges. certainly had a challenge that there was, um, uh, I don't know if people realize this as much, but, you know, there's been hardly or a lot fewer uh, flights across the Atlantic uh, because people aren't flying, uh, but 80% of airmail goes with those commercial flights. Right. So suddenly um, there was uh, a lot less um, airmail space available. So a lot of our orders, especially to North America, were just suddenly got stuck. Hmm. Um and, uh, and it, you know, some people, some other companies could still do it, but it very much depends on uh, on how this is arranged. There's a whole sort of cottage, well, it's not a cottage industry because it's millions and probably billions of euros, dollars, and pounds involved. But, you know, for routing mail in a way that it's cheapest, but a lot of those options suddenly just weren't there anymore. Right. So in the end, we decided to uh, to partner with a fulfillment center down in uh, in Georgia, um, on the recommendation of uh, of a wargaming company. Actually, who worked with them. So since July, we've been able to, you know, we because we, we could still ship large quantities. Package services still worked. So we sent a whole lot of stock there, and uh, and since then they've been sending uh, the mail for our American customers. Oh, okay. So that's um, it was a great relief when we could say, "Ah, oh, your stuff is finally coming again." Right, right, right. And I, a lot of war gamers, I'm sure, have heard that, um, especially North American war gamers have have learned by now that USPS has drastically increased the postage rates for um, for foreign small packages and up. Um, and. Uh, and a lot of our stuff would would have fallen in that, and uh, we sort of bypassed that, sort of as a as a handy um, uh, accidental um, advantage. Mm. Well, so any- a lot of stuff has been has been I've been incredibly busy the last couple of months, which is one reason why um, why there haven't been as many updates to the Great Wargaming Survey results from 2019 as I would have liked. I had more planned, mm. but it was just like. Everything happened at once, and there's so many hours in the day. Yeah, well, that that works out well for us because then we can talk about some of those things that you weren't able to get out. <laughs> Hopefully, in the maybe open anyway. So, uh, well, that that is. I'm glad to hear that Karwansarai is staying strong and moving forward, and your the folks are in a good place and and uh, moving forward, and I. I I would anticipate or I would expect that you would have had an increase in subscribers. And I'm I'm glad to hear that that is indeed the case. Speaking of the great wargaming survey, Mm -hmm. uh, we should note that at the time of recording, you're one week into it, right? Yep. Yep. We started exactly uh, six days ago today. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's our annual Annual tradition, we, we talk about the survey that was and the survey that is, and we'll jump right into discussing 2019, the Great Wargaming Survey, and how many, how, how did it go overall? 
for 2019? Uh, I, think, I think overall it went really well. We we broke a record when it comes to number of responses. Mm-hmm. We got, uh, top of my head, 10,975, I think, mm-hmm. uh, with a very high completion rate. So that was certainly, uh, that was very satisfying. Uh, in general, it, it's always, you know, it, uh, it, it's always a, a, an interesting experience for me to run it. As, as I tweeted last Saturday, it's like, oh, the, the most stressful day of the year is, is, is here again. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it, you know, because it's become sort of a tradition and I know that a, a lot of people, um, you know, sort of look forward to it or sort of, it's sort of a moment in the year. I won't say it's like something people look forward to, but it's, it's become a, a point in time in the year when we sort of take stock of the hobby and, you know, and, and all we can do is try and prepare it as well as possible. And, uh, uh, and then, you know, at one point you got to say, okay, launch, uh, have at it. And you can't correct anything anymore because if you change a question, then, uh, you know, clearly anybody who's responded to the question before you change it is going to have a slightly different answer than people after. And, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, the, the, the uh, survey monkey, the service that we use, you know, they don't, they don't like that. It, it invalidates earlier results. And so you don't want to mess with it anymore. So it's really like, okay, it's, it's kind of strange because this, the, the real, this kind of experience is, should be something that we do, you know, every, just about every, every couple of weeks, you know, it's magazine to the printer. You say yes. And then, you know, it's going and they're going to print it and whatever stupid mistakes you left in there, they're going to be in print now. Yeah. Um, uh, so I should be used to that, but somehow for the Great Wargaming Survey, it seems to be it feels different. So it's always yeah. nerve wracking when you go, okay, people, it's ready, have at it, shoot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you started, uh, let's see, not last year, but the year previous, uh, you started working with Greg and I believe one of the other guys from uh, Little Wars TV. Yeah, Miles Reedy helped me out for some of the results, uh, looking at some of the results for 2018. Mm-hmm. And uh, for 2019, John Freitag, uh, uh, who um, I think he's in up in Oregon or Washington State, mm-hmm. um, he started to help me too. And he is really like, a, he's a um, statistics whiz, so he can do yeah. things that just makes me go, okay. And I, I would probably say, look, you just go to the blog, uh, com slash WSS underscore GWS. I think that's it. Um, and and look at what he's written because um, explaining that on the podcast is just going to make everybody's brain hurt, <laughs> okay. uh, mine included. Uh, Link in the show but, notes, folks. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good. Well, if you go after, if uh, once the once the Great Wargaming Survey is over, if you go to greatwargamingsurvey.com, you'll go there as well. So, okay. Um, sort of future note, um, listen back after August 31st and, and you'll go there right away. Okay. Um, and how, how did that number crunching go this, this past year for 2019? Um, I was, I, I thought it was, those interesting because, because of the talents of uh, people who know more about how to deal with all these numbers than, than me, we could go, we could see more, uh, see more interesting uh, you know, correlate things better and connect things better and filter things better. Mm-hmm. 
which which is an ex- interesting experience. But it's it's also it made clear again. It's like we could just about you know go go to some academic institution and say, hey, do you have a PhD student? handy um who wants to study war gamers because there's so much data there uh and you could ask all kinds of questions and i'll just want to put it out put it out there if if people have questions that they've taken the survey and they're interested in in some kind of results uh we're always very happy to look at specific questions people have it's just uh the only things we can't say is how popular is x game from manufacturer y uh because we strenuously try to avoid um, mentioning specific brands or games mm-hmm. or apart from uh, Warhammer 40k and, uh, and Age of Sigmar because they are so big and that we uh, that we've decided at one point you have to sort of separate those out because otherwise you're you know you're going to completely skew the results for sci-fi and fantasy right right any any surprises in the 2019 results? Um, there was there was something that I just thought of. Um, well, the, 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 what is interesting um, is um, is I think we've reported on this too. Is that we we've seen a sort of a steady increase of um, I mean 28 mil and, and 28. Sort of heroic 28 sort of like GW uses are always the most popular but mm-hmm. beyond that we uh, have seen a very steady and it's not really a surprise perhaps but interesting to see that uh, 6 mil has really made us sort of steady steadily increasing uh, increase in popularity and um, was also interesting and maybe that is somewhat surprising or maybe not surprising, but is very interesting to note is that um, the sort of model-specific games, or um, like uh, ship, ship or plane or spaceship style games, um, that scale—it's not really a scale, of course—but that that they've really gained in popularity. And it's not strange mm-hmm. when you look at Star Wars X-wing, um, for instance. Right, uh, but it also that probably also reflects the popularity of say uh, at that time, um, cruel seas or you know maybe blood red skies games like that. Right. Um, and, and what is interesting that they seem to be played. If you look at the popularity of, of that type of model, uh, and you look at the. Um, you know, we have we have this slider where people can say I'm like completely historical wargamer nerd, or I'm completely sci-fi fantasy geek. Um, you know, people can put themselves somewhere in on that on that scale, and it appears that that is just if you look at that type of size uh, model uh, model in in the. I'm not expressing myself well here uh, in the in the in the ranking of mm-hmm. of, of sizing um, that that's the the uh, that hits the middle of the um, of the scale. So the ship scale and uh, plane scale and airplane airship spaceship scale games seem to have crossover potential between strictly historical and strictly sci-fi fantasy games. So that's really interesting. I thought. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's and it's easy to see. I mean. 
there has been some talk or quite a bit of talk in the greater hobby discussion sphere, I guess you could call it, um, about the and this has been going on for years with the the up the increase in uh, skirmish type games where you've got a relatively low model count. It doesn't take much to get stuff on the on the table. You can get yeah. going with the game quickly. And the airplane, ship, spaceship, space fighter games all fall within that camp relatively, relatively easily. Yeah, so sure. Is- yeah, you just need a, a nice looking mat and maybe a couple of islands or a couple of planets. And, and that's, you know, and you're right, done. And you're, you're playing a game. So it, it's, it's certainly not a surprise in and of itself, I suppose, given that. But the, the fact that a big company... Real, or I should say, a relatively big company like Warlord is is taking on that type of of game, and then also Plastic Soldier Company, uh, yeah, is is interesting. So, um, now last year was last year the first year for freebies for the for the giveaway items, or did you? I don't recall if you did one in twenty eighteen. Um, we usually had a. Um... As some kind of discount mm-hmm. so the the real the the models that we had for for 2019 that was a that was a first mm-hmm. yeah and to your knowledge did they all get claimed or were there some out there that your your providers um, didn't, didn't ship out or well not certainly not everybody sort of you had to sort of buy them i mean you got a coupon that allowed you to buy them and you only had uh, you had to pay for the shipping because that was international shipping right. <laughs> we kind of took a bath on that anyway um so not every not everybody did but um in, for some some of the freebies i think we had to uh, kindly request a few extra and and for some we didn't need as many but i think overall that went pretty well um it's, it's always a there was mm, it was a, a mixed experience, I think, for us and for for everyone because it was it was hard to uh, to coordinate that so that everybody could get the stuff quickly. It took much longer than we'd hoped, um, which was which was just awkward. You know, that's not what we promised, so, and uh, um, we, all we could try, but um, we didn't do that as well as as we could have. And we figured that this year, with everything that's going on, we were just not going to make any promises. So right. no right. models this time, unfortunately. Anything that really stood out as far as the responses? Anything that uh, you you took particular note of that's uh, that springs to mind? Um, well, it's always interesting to read the, the sort of the open question at the end, and uh, and and there's always themes in there. Uh, usually, unfortunately, it's it's always great to see, and that that's actually been not just this last year, but more or less consistently is is how positively people consider their this hobby mm-hmm. uh, is good for their you know uh, good for their personal morale, uh, good to learn from, good to make friends with, uh, and just enthusing. It's just you know. You could say, and it's undoubtedly true that people are getting annoyed with, or you know, demotivated about wargaming, are, are less likely to take the survey. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it's always good to see how many how many people who do take the survey are uh, are so enthusiastic about their hobby. It just you know, it's very, it's just great to see. It just it makes it makes me happy. Yeah, uh, you know it, um, that it that it's you know that you can have a hobby that is so satisfying to so many people, and um, they get so much out of it. Uh, there's always, you know, there's always some people who take that space to say that they really don't want to play a game anymore against that guy, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of like, yeah, I think we all we all recognize that too. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I always take that away from from just about from every survey. It's just this just seems to be an important. Um, it's an important escape and an important. Uh, uh, motivation for so many people. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. As, and as far as not wanting to play with that guy anymore, I, I ran into that in, in 1992. So, <laughs> yeah, certainly, <laughs> it's... Uh, not, well, the experience of sticks in your mind sometimes, it seems. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> stands, stands to reason. I can certainly, certainly understand that. Um. Now, moving into the 2020 survey, um, there were some changes in the questions. And, and you've said in the past that, you know, there are going to be some questions that get moved in and out. And that's just how it's going to be. And that's understandable. Um, what were what were some of the decisions behind? Well, I guess, first off, what were some of the what are some of the new questions this year? Um. New questions. Um, we've changed the the the, over, the the biggest problem that we always have is that there's a lot of stuff you'd like to ask, and you want to keep the survey doable in a, in a you know ten fifteen minutes maximum. Um, and then the the biggest problem is that wargaming is so multifaceted. As a hobby in itself, you know, you have a strong social aspect, you have a competitive aspect, you, you know, everything that goes to playing the game. And then you have all the creative parts that belong in in the hobby about uh, and collections, too. So it's about collecting. It's about getting your armies ready, planning your army, uh, collecting the, the figures, getting research. There's so much about it that you can't ask everything you'd want to ask about all that in one go. And then you have the problem that um, when it comes to preferences, there are, you know, wargaming, especially historically, historical wargaming is so incredibly fragmented. Right. Uh, when you move, <laughs> apart from World War II, which is like, that just seems to unite just about everybody. Right. Um, apart from that, there are so many, I mean, as we say in the question, there are so many eras and periods you, or settings you might play in um, that it's so easy to make that question, you know, 50 lines long, right. and we can't. Uh, one of the questions, one of the changes we made there was split out. Uh, we used to have uh, sort of like naval games uh, or aerial games or space combat games in the settings thing. Mm-hmm. In the settings questions, and we split that one out so uh, that people can say, you know, I love naval gaming, right. and I'm interested in the 18th century. So by combining the two, you, you could say, look, I'm interested in, in the Age of Sail, right. 
or I'm, you know, I love, you know, ancient galley warfare or something like mm -hmm. that. Um, yeah, that's, so that's, um, um, we split that out so that we could um, give people to uh, make it a little bit clearer for people what they really prefer mm -hmm. uh, because we felt that they didn't um, fit in uh, in all categories. So that's, you know, that's a, the general problem. We have too many, op most, a lot of questions in theory have a huge range of answers and we have a lot of, the, the hobby itself is very diverse and fragmented. So you have a lot of questions you might want to ask. Um, so one of the things we did was split that out. Um, we, we kind of left most of the social questions out this mm -hmm. year because we figured that, um, you know, with COVID, a lot of that would be like, no, don't have the opportunity right, right. now. Uh, we put some COVID questions in, like, has it affected your hobby? Uh, is it going to you know, um, impact your uh, spending? Has it, you know, impacted your ability to spend? Right, right. Uh, about your time availability. It seems like a lot of people have a lot mm -hmm. of more time to spend on their hobby. Uh, doesn't doesn't work that way for me, but yeah. uh, I'm glad for them. Um, I hear you. <laughs> now, one thing I have found is, and I don't I don't think it's necessarily COVID related because I am I am back to work. I am doing my my nine to six job that I was doing before COVID started. Um, mm -hmm. I'm kind of expanding my definition of hobby time and. Anything from working on the podcast, I you know I count working on the podcast as hobby time. I count, you know, simply organizing figures. You know, I've been organizing units. You know, picking out which castings I want in each unit and separating them out. Um, working on scenarios, uh, working on, uh, you know, I've been play testing uh, some rules for for someone and uh, all of that you know, counts as hobby time. And I know that there are some people that, well, I should say it, it definitely highlights how many different facets there are in the hobby. And it's not, it's yeah. not the same for everybody. You know, I, I don't spend as much time painting figures as other people do because it's not my favorite part of the hobby. So, um, yeah, I've just been taking opportunities here and there, you know, 15 20 minutes 30 minutes maybe just to get something done and moving forward um yeah yeah and it's it's very interesting to see how many people have taken to virtual gaming either with uh systems like tabletop simulator or simply setting up a webcam and playing a game with friends um and and i think you know there's a good chance that a lot of that might still continue after we get the all clear or if we get the all clear when you know you know case in point you know I'm, i've played a couple of different couple of different times i played commands and colors via video conference with henry hyde you know mm -hmm. but you, didn't you do that already before covid broke I out i did or but there are more people doing that now uh just as an example yeah. so uh, and i've when I've done it, uh, you know, I broadcast some live streams from, 
my J3 event, and now there are, you know, there's been virtual lard. Uh, there are other <laughs> virtual virtual conventions going on. I know that Jay Wiley of Wiley Games is wanting to do something for his Wiley War Games weekend along those lines. The I'm sure people are tired of hearing me talk about the recruits convention in in the Kansas City area, but they're looking to do something virtual for it too. So, and I would imagine you know any well actually Gen Con they did a virtual Gen Con this year. Uh, yeah. Well. Yeah. So the big guys are doing it, and the little guys are doing, it and everyone's doing it. So, it, you know, I I foresee it being just a regular part of gaming, not just because of COVID in the in the very near future. Well, I can see, you know, as, as, of course, you and Henry live, uh, what is it, about three and a half thousand miles away from each other. Um, and for that purpose, you know, playing games with friends, you know, long distance, um, that was a relevant option and it's going to remain a relevant option. Considering how high people uh, rated the importance of hanging out with your friends uh, in, in every single survey, I would say that the the face to face part of playing games, or you know, with all the um, the talk that comes before, after, and during the game, is very important to a lot of war gamers. So I assume that every uh, many many war gamers prefer that greatly. Uh, but it is uh, you know the, the remote gaming is certainly an, an alternative and. Uh, um, an extension of, of face-to-face gaming, I, I suppose, and, and can stay that way for, for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And there, there's certainly something to be said about, you know, sitting to sitting down to a Discord or Roll20 session or, or something similar, and you've got the same banter going on that you would have if you're all sitting around the same table. Yeah, so that, that's that's absolutely true. On the other hand, you know, you have the, also the the disadvantage that a lot of people go. I spend my time at my day job looking at a computer right. screen, and when I'm home, I want to and, and doing my hobby. I, that's not what I want to do. Um, of course, the, uh, the there's always intermediates there. You can paint and have an iPad or something. Mm-hmm on and and chat and i know that people have been doing paint and chat sessions forever or not forever as long as it was easily doable um so you know stay in touch with people uh, new options present themselves almost yearly yeah absolutely and it's i think it's going to be interesting to see what what stays from these from these times and and what just kind of fades away and I guess we won't know what's fading away for another, you know, however long it takes you to notice, I guess. But yeah, it's just, uh, you know, hopefully folks are staying safe. Hopefully folks are going to be able to continue on and uh, and go from there. But it's, uh, yeah, I, I just the simple fact that you're over in, in the Netherlands and I'm here in the very middle of the United States and we're talking in real time it just astounds me still to this day so yeah that's true that's that's pretty amazing uh, and yet it's been around for uh, what 15 years or so that you could do yeah, that roughly um well easily anyway you it could be done or prior to that but it wasn't as easy or inexpensive as it is now uh, yeah that's true so 
we did you did add some new questions this year um mm-hmm. there was i um, i i took the i went through and i i gotta say this is probably the the quickest to complete i think that that i can remember and you know really I, i'm not sure that was the experience for everyone but um i i can well i shouldn't do it now because um <laughs> It might interrupt interrupt the talk, but um, I know that it takes on average about twelve minutes. I think I think we've had ones that are that are faster, but um, it, it might have something to do with your ability to manipulate um, things on a on a screen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we won't. I guess we won't talk about that. But the uh, yeah, that's absolutely fine. Um, there, there is you know there are a few sections we, that have a dragging interface to them, but they also have where you can pick numbers and yes. I think there's some, there's some folks that aren't entirely happy with that, I guess. But then again, you're going to get yeah, really happy with anything. So <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's part of that stress. The thing I was talking about, uh, you know, that's always like, you know, you, we design, we design the survey as well as we can. And, and, um, usually I show it to a number of people and ask their opinions and, um, and feedback, and we we ch- make changes based on that. Uh, and then you know that as soon as it launches, people will say you missed that, yeah. or you didn't ask question about this, or that didn't work. Um, that's sort of part of the deal. Uh, yeah, I know that the ranking things um, they they do work in two ways. I know that they can be fiddly on a phone. Yeah. Um, we did it because the for when it comes to analysis, it's very helpful if you know if you know that people aren't just like super interested in World War II and and super interested in uh, I don't know ancient gaming. But if you you know if you force people to say no, if I have to choose, I prefer World War II over ancients, then that helps combine it with other questions and and give more insight. Right. So um, that was one reason why it was suggested. I think it was suggested by John to do as much ranking as possible. Mm-hmm. But the other reason is that uh, personally, I find it, it, it sometimes is awkward to, to have to go through all these questions and go, well, I'm moderately interested in this. I'm right. not interested in that. Uh, and it's much easier to just go, okay, I'm super interested in this one and this one I really like, and that's it. You know, and so we said, okay, you know, pick three or pick five in in a few cases. Uh, it was an attempt, <laughs> an attempt to make it easier um, to decide um, where your preferences lie in in many questions, and because we want prefer to be consistent, you know, make sure that the questions are answered in the same way as much as possible. So we we put those ranking questions in a lot, and uh, a lot of people are like, "Yeah, no, not for me." Right. On the other hand, there's a lot of people who go, "This is easy and quick, and it worked." So uh, it's always one or the other. Right. It, um, it's it's that old adage: you can't please all the people all the time. You know. No, you can be absolutely sure that that's not going to work. <laughs> well, I I. Like I said, I think I think it went pretty quickly for me anyway. Um, now, full disclosure, I did attempt with to do it on my phone, 
and when the <laughs> when I got to the 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 preferences for for era slash genre, I I did bail out on my phone. So there's one abandoned attempt that you can blame on me. But I got on mm. I got on a laptop and I was able to navigate it through navigate through it pretty quickly and easily. And like I said, I think I think it went pretty quickly. Pretty well. It's uh, you know it, it, a lot of people are on their are doing it on their phone and it, to be to be clear I don't design the the UI the user interface right. um, you know we were just trying to you know you, you always try to you have to deal with the limitations of the software that you know paid software in this case that you're using um, you know we'd like to be able to say okay you know these multiple choice things it's like multiple choices like either you have to pick one or you can pick as many as you like you can't go i want to pick this you know put a maximum say i think this this and this is great nothing else you can ask but uh, whether people read the questions closely always is you know is not always clear um or as you said as i said you can try and and change the question format so you can go okay please put these in in order of preference, as the um, uh, in in this country, uh, the great well, he's world famous. I think the, the great philosopher Johann Krauss said, "Every advantage has its disadvantage." Right. Um, you know, <laughs> so it's one way or the other. Right, right. And I, I gotta say, you, know, you and the rest of folks that work on the survey i mean in the in the long run i think you're doing a service to the hobby and industry by taking this on and i i certainly thank all of y'all for for doing it because you you definitely suffer the slings and arrows so to speak and you know at the end of the day i mean you know if people want to people are always going to complain right so (laughs) might as well put out what you think is the best you know what you believe to be the best possible survey and the best possible analysis and you know just just go forward with it at the end of the day i mean people are getting what they pay for right (laughs) exactly nothing (laughs) yeah um i appreciate you saying that thank you Uh, we we hope we are doing uh, doing a service um uh you know it's something that probably deserves more attention um all that data Mm -hmm. And, and that is why, I mean, I'm sure you wanted to ask about that too. The other two questions um, about personality that are also a bit of a, a Marmite thing. Um, some people absolutely detested them. Um, and some people thought, thought they were very interesting, I think. So what, what happened is that earlier this year, like in, in May, I think, maybe April, a... Um, Academic article came out. It's called uh, "Who Commands the Little Soldiers." Mm, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was written by by three German psychologists, and they had interviewed something like two hundred and fifty German uh, war gamers. Mm-hmm. To uh, you know, to to I'm sure their their list of questions was much longer than those two questions that uh, were in the survey. Right. Um. Um. About you know what what motivates people? What are they like? You know, do they conform to certain stereotypes or not? And that article said uh, they seem to be perfectly healthy individuals, perhaps even uh, you know well thinking, 
A lot, a lot, a lot. I mean, I think it's actually behind a paywall, but somebody put up a summary somewhere, right. uh, which you which you can find pretty easily. So, um, oh, we saw that and said, well, maybe we can help these people uh, increase their um, uh, the numbers of the, mm-hmm. their data a bit and make it more international, and and so that we can make an argument that war gamers are actually perfectly well adapted human beings and not, you know, <laughs> stereotypical, uh, basement dwellers. Right. Um, I don't even have a, bl- I don't even have a basement currently. So <laughs> no, no, uh, me neither. Um, so, uh, so that's where the, that's where the question came, came. Those questions came from. We, we got in touch with, um, with those psychologists and, uh, and they said, well, you know, I have an enormous list of questions that I would like to supply. And I said, well, I don't think so, mm-hmm. but if you can give me one or two, um, we can, we can put those in. So that's where they came okay. from. Uh, and, um, and I'm, you know, I, I hope, I, I know that we offended a few people. I, I'm sorry about that. Uh, but that's why it, made it very clear that if you didn't want to fill them out, if they were too close to the, uh, too close for comfort, then you just skip them. Yeah. And some people did some people, and a lot of people didn't, uh, which is, uh, which is good. Yeah. And it's, it's still early days. And I, I, I will, I, I will reassure people here now or here now that they will be very, I mean, the, the survey is already, um, entirely anonymous unless you leave your email address for, um, for in the in the prize draw, mm-hmm. uh, but that will be very um, that will be extremely uh, separate. Those two will be separated uh, before any of those data are forwarded right. to psychologists. And besides, they're in uh, being Germans, they have the strongest privacy laws, and you can just about think of. So uh, um, they would probably not even accept stuff with um, that is related to. Mm-hmm clearly related to people person right um and i don't want that either so we're going to be very thorough about making sure sure Sure, that's that's certainly appreciated um now you have mentioned in the past and it is evident who to anyone that's taken the survey across multiple years that some questions go away some questions go in what are some questions from past surveys that you'd like to revisit in future surveys I think that the, the I just mentioned that the social questions right. were uh, were left out this year. I think they would be extremely interesting to put back in uh, in twenty twenty one or twenty two, sure. when hopefully uh, this whole whole COVID situation has at least calmed down a bit. Mm-hmm. To see how uh, people have either adapted to the nor- new normal uh, or have you know um, have um, embraced the opportunity to meet their friends again. Right. Um, and shows how they are doing uh, mm. once once this is all over. Yeah, I, I I think that's that's probably the most most obvious one. And, um, and you know, most of the questions aren't supremely uh, trend sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one, yeah, that one would be very interesting. I think. I I wonder. You mentioned shows and conventions, whatever term you want to use. I wonder how this is affecting or will affect future shows. Cause I got to think that there are some venues and some organizations, you know, you, you, you use the current show to pay for the next show in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how many venues didn't 
offer or didn't release refunds for already booked spaces, you know, either, either partial or full refunds on, you know, what is our, you know, base, not basically, but is already spent money and how that's going going to affect shows, you know? Good question. I have no idea. Um, I, I'm sure that some shows, uh, um, like the bigger shows, probably they've got insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least that would be wise to have insurance. Um, uh, Salute, of course, has been postponed to next year. I, I'm sure they had some kind of deal. Uh, and some others have been, you know, like Crisis. I know they just, the guys in Antwerp, they decided to cancel bef- probably before they had to finalize their booking. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they had the time. Yeah. Uh, to do so because they were like six seven months ahead of time right um but yeah you, you can easily see how certainly ambitious shows could could bankrupt the club if they're not careful mm-hmm. yeah and you know there there are some exceptions there uh recruits being a school organization they get you know the they get their venue for free which allows them to only charge five bucks for entry for non-students and students get in free um so that's great mm-hmm. but even you know, even and it's not you know not even a show, but you know my J three weekend, it was in jeopardy there for a while because I hold it in a, in essentially what's a bed and breakfast, uh, lodge, and the owner you know about two months out, I said, hey, we're are we still going to be good to have J three? And he said, well, it's, it's going to depend on what the state says because they're being pretty harsh with bed and breakfast right now. So luckily we were able to hold it, but you know that that could have damaged things for that, you know, and, uh, the, I got to think that it's going to hurt smaller shows, like you said, because the, you know, they may not have insurance for that sort of thing. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, that we'll just have to see how, how things shake out. So if you're, yeah, I, I think so too. It's completely like, We'll have to wait and see because it's easy enough if if the government says or local authorities say you're fine, you can have a show again. You know, are you going to? Is your club going to take that risk right. of um, of of putting up a show, spending that money, and because you always it's it's complete ga- uh, gamble. Mm-hmm. Are, are the traders are going to come? Right. Uh, presumably that they'll be eager, but some will be very careful. And and then are the punters going to come? I mean, because you may you can you can do a show, but if nobody shows, then uh, that's probably the end of that story too. Right. So we'll, yeah. now I I am concerned. It'll be. Uh, I am concerned for that sort of thing. Um, we, without naming any governmental bodies or anything like that, many if not all of the state and county fairs in the area are canceled or postpone or whatever term you want to use there is a county near me that did hold their county fair and that same county has since announced that there are three attendees that are that have come up positive for for COVID-19 and by all accounts it was very well attended and there were people from multiple states at it so yeah but in what you're saying you know the risk of you know, do do you want to assume that risk is is a huge question? Because you know, at, at the end of the day, my feeling is, if this situation is going on and you know it's going on, and someone holds an event like that, 
and you go to it, can you really can you really hold that event liable? You know? Because by now people know what the risk is, or at least they've been in at least they've been told what the risk is multiple times. And so I gotta eh, anyway, I'm 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 starting to, I'm starting to move into into a topic that I don't have any real understanding of when it comes to event liability and that sort of thing. No, I'm I'm just glad I'm not in a position where I have to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean I was I had to make the decision to go forward or or, or not and Typically, I'll have anywhere between. Mm, typically, I have between ten and fourteen people come to J three, and we had six this year. Yeah. Um, and the, the folks that did, you know, that opted to not come, you know, hey, understandable. Uh, I get it. The folks that did come, I, I talked to each one individually and said, hey, you know, what are you doing in your house to make sure everything's okay and. What do your numbers look like where you live? And numbers here are okay, but they are going up. And um, my my county had a limited number of cases for some time, but we are we are seeing increases now. So it's I'm not gonna say it's a scary time; it's an interesting time to say the least. But I don't. That's not exactly a. That's <laughs> yeah. That's also a Chinese. Yeah. Curse, so. So it's, <laughs> Uh, it's it's almost a it's almost a cliche now, but yeah, I mean, we we do have to be careful, and we we do have to be prudent in our actions. So, but uh, one one last thing, I, I mm-hmm. we got two more questions I want to hit on real quick. Um, are there some questions that you're glad that you've taken off and don't want to see return? Uh, no, I, I can't think of anything right now. I mean, I, I would think that questions I really don't like I would, would have been thrown out earlier. Because um, it's the advantage of doing it for for seventh year now. Mm-hmm. Can't think of any. Oh, that's good. So, last thing, we'll, we'll, we'll end on a high note. Let's talk about the freebies for this year. What what are y'all offering for the folks that that do take the time to go through and, and answer the the questions and complete it? So everyone who takes a survey, uh, whether you um, whether you put your email down or not, um, if you don't put your email down, you can't get the um, sort of the backup code. But um, once you're done with the survey, you'll be redirected to a page on the site where you get a twenty percent one time discount code. For um, for our website, and you get I think somewhere like nine or ten articles that Guy selected from his tenure as editor of Wargame Soldier and Strategy, uh, with a great variety, a couple of uh, scenarios, more thinking pieces, more sort of meta hobby time stuff. Um, so you got something to read, um, and if you do put your name in the in the hat, then there's a whole range of prizes to be won from books to models to starter kits to all kinds of stuff yeah there are some great there were some great possible prizes for that not possible prizes there are some great prizes for that for that prize draw that really interesting i noticed that the lardies offered 
complete sets for Infamy, Infamy, their new Ancients rules, as well as Chain of Command yeah. and Sharp Practice, I believe. So that yeah. there's going to be... Well, you can, you can, the winner can choose one of those. Right. Yeah. So I think so that's that's going to be a, a a happy guy there that wins those. So um, or or gal, let's be honest, we we are seeing an increase yeah, in, no, hopefully, in email hopefully. participation, and I think that's a great thing to see. So um, yeah, so I, I definitely strongly encourage anyone that's listening that hasn't uh, participated in the Great War Game Survey 2020 yet, go ahead and do so. Link will be in the show notes. Never fear, as always. Uh, any any final thoughts, Jasper, that you want to get across that maybe we didn't cover? Uh, no, it, it'll lower your chances of winning any of the prizes, but I do hope that a lot more people um, submit their responses to the Great War Gaming Survey. Yeah, and it's... I, I know it's early days. I don't want to... I don't want to skew anything, but uh, how, how are we looking on on responses? Well, I've been told last year that I'm not supposed to say anything about the survey and, and go, but it's it's uh, I'm certainly not unhappy. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll take that and maybe how, how much time do you think for before we can really talk about the responses? Uh, well, as, as soon as it's over on uh, August thirty first, but by September first, you could say some things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I hope I can get uh, John and Miles to help me out immediately again. Okay. But there's, it, for some reason, it stays really busy. So yeah. <laughs> everybody has to do that in their own free time, of course. Right, right. At some point, we'd like to hire a, a statistics analysis anal, analyst, but they're probably expensive. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jasper, it's been a delight as always. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule to. Uh, to chat with thank me. you for having me yeah it's it's such a it's such an important aspect of our hobby now um i noticed that some non or i guess it got some greater traction in the in the warhammer sphere last year and hopefully that that continues because you know that they are part of the hobby you know with <laughs> a very big part in fact whether, whether someone wants to admit it or not that they are part of the we are we do share a hobby even though their space elves is their space pixies as somebody calls them. But, uh, so thank, thank you once again for not only running, uh, running the survey, but also those great magazines. And thanks for agreeing to come on the show. And I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And as always folks, if the war gaming you're having, isn't any fun, you make it fun. That is all. Veteran Wargamer is copyright J. Arnold 2020. Music courtesy of freemusicarchive.org.